0: and load this is steve dace the steve day show
1: happy friday we're live and on demand right here on the blaze i'm steve dace you are you todd and aaron are here with me as well we've got an extra guest contributor New to the program, we'll be introducing you to her in just a moment for the Dace Group. 888 3393 is how you can get a hold of us here at The Blaze. 888 3393 And even if we're not taking your phone calls, give the folks over there uh, at The Blaze a call. If you're just lonely, connect. They love that because they're not busy at all. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook, but you're going to need to like us a lot because Facebook doesn't really like us that much. So in order to get over the shadow ban, we have currently calculated every 34 likes equals one, according to Facebook math. So like us a lot. Just keep hitting that like button repeatedly. You can also follow us on Twitter at Show for those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or um, later on today via the podcast. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening today via the podcast, if you have a moment to leave us one of those five-star reviews, we would appreciate you. You may be thinking, "I, uh, I don't like your show. So uh, why would I leave you a five-star review? Don't lie. We wouldn't want you to lie on our behalf, but maybe just keep your distaste uh, to yourself. Yeah, if you had nothing li- nice to say, maybe you don't say anything at all. But for the few, the proud, those that actually uh, like the way we do things around here, we appreciate those five-star reviews. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done this for us already. Um, we've got a lot coming up here on the show today. Of course, it is a good Friday, not just a feedback Friday, but it is a good Friday where we remember um, the terrible, That happened on this day that gave us a path uh, to the good, that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he died the death uh, we should have died, that he paid the penalty we deserved to pay on our behalf. And that is a message that will inspire and bring hope to about a billion Christians worldwide here today. Uh, And I can think of some places where they need to hear this message the most. Communist China, Iran, North Korea. Somalia. That's where our friends at Back to Jerusalem come in, because that's what their heart is. Uh, their mission, uh, or their mission is, they want to take uh, their ministry's mission is they want to take the word of God to what are called closed countries, meaning uh, places where the oppressive regimes there have attempted to close their people off to the word of God. They don't want them inspired. They don't want them hope-filled because people that are inspired and hope-filled have a tendency to be less tolerant to being oppressed. If you want to help this mission, uh, which is maybe the most important mission of them all, taking the word of God to the ends of the earth, if you want to help them accomplish their part in this, at back to Jerusalem, here's how. Just go to the website, blazehelp.org. Uh, BlazeHelp.org What they're going to ask you to do Is uh, help them cover the cost Of getting one of these Pill-sized Bibles It's just shrunk down Into an electronic form uh, That's easily downloaded later But it also makes it easier To sneak past the gatekeepers In these oppressive countries Uh, And it's 15 bucks. That's what it costs To get one of these From their ministry Into the hands Of somebody persecuted In one of these countries BlazeHelp.org Or 844-305-0566 I mentioned we've got A new panelist here here at the Dace Group. Let's introduce her. Rachel Semmel is here with us. She's one of the founding members, kind of a member of the founding family here at Conservative Review when we first launched this thing several years ago. She's now with District Media Group. It's good to have you with us, Rachel. How are you?
2: good thanks for having me on our little babies all grown up CRTV, the blaze it's great to be here
1: it is it's amazing what this little ragtag group we put together back in 2013 has kind of kind of given birth to and you were a part of that are you ready for this format are you sure you know what you're getting yourself into
2: uh, if i were any ready more ready i'd be twins let's let's get it started
1: all right let's do it it's time for the day's group Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at Wax RX. If you struggle with ear pain, itchy ears, that plugged up feeling, if you're asking people to constantly repeat themselves, you might be thinking, man, I've been putting off that doctor visit for that professional ear cleaning and now I got to bite the bullet. No, you don't because now you can try WaxRx. It's a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula, and now you can even get it without a prescription as well. So, comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. Try it risk-free today. Go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com, and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Use WaxRx, all one word. Use WaxRx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Let's get to issue one. What now?
3: I'd also like to thank Special Counsel Robert Mueller for his service and the thoroughness of his investigation, particularly his work exposing the nature of Russia's attempts to interfere in our electoral process. As you know, one of the primary purposes of the Special Counsel's investigation was to determine whether President Trump's campaign or any individual associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government to interfere in the 2016 election. Volume one of the Special Counsel's report describes the results of that investigation. As you will see, the Special Counsel's report states that his Quote, investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. So today we heard essentially a spin uh, attempt in favor of the president. This issue of no Americans being involved in any of the Russian uh, efforts uh, doesn't ring true to me. As the special counsel report makes clear the Russian government sought to interfere in our election process. But thanks to the special counsel's thorough investigation, we now know that the Russian operatives who perpetrated these schemes did not have the cooperation of President Trump or the Trump campaign, or the knowing assistance of any other American for that matter. That is something that all Americans can and should be grateful to have confirmed. I'm, I'm solid, my sources are solid, this reporting is accurate. It so the people are out. saying heads should roll at BuzzFeed, no. that you're hurting the news business as a whole. What do you say?
0: I've been, a, I've been a reporter for 20 years. My first job was on the loading dock of the Panama City News Herald. Right? They wouldn't give me a job inside because I, I was too young and green. I've been doing this again and again and again and again. The same fundamentals that I learned covering City Hall, covering the police, covering courthouses, that stands today. Right? That is, I, cu- I use those same skills, the same rigor to cover the White House. And we are, I am, I am going, this is going to be borne out, Brian. This story is accurate.
3: What if, what if the
4: sources are just wrong? They're not. Not intentionally, not. not trying to hurt you, but just what if they're wrong? You know, they're,
3: they're not. First, the report details efforts by the Internet Research Agency, a Russian company with close ties to the Russian government, to sow social discord among American voters through disinformation and social media operations. I'll just say the media did a pretty damn good job. The media did its job. But the special counsel found no evidence that any American, including anyone associated with the Trump campaign, conspired or coordinated with the Russian government or the IRA in this illegal scheme. There were engagements at the Trump Tower. There were the back and forth between various individuals who were affiliated with the Trump campaign and Russian individuals. That collusion, I think, is quite obvious and apparent. Quote, the investigation did not identify evidence that any U.S. person knowingly or intentionally coordinated with the IRA's interference operation, unquote. Put another way, the special counsel found no collusion by any Americans in IRA's illegal activities. And the other thing this report did is that it really corroborated a lot of the Good journalism. That was done. But again, the special counsel's report did not find any evidence that members of the Trump campaign or anyone associated with the campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these hacking operations. In other words, there was no evidence of the Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking. He went after all of us Mm. every
4: single day, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN. And when you go back and you look at this report and you
3: look, you're like, all these stories that were fake news, well, Mm. Mueller shows that this was actually going on. So that's the bottom line. After nearly two years of investigation, thousands of subpoenas, hundreds of warrants and witness interviews, the special counsel confirmed that the Russian government sponsored efforts to illegally interfere with the 2016 presidential election, but did not find that the Trump campaign or other Americans colluded in those efforts. Uh, I started off believing uh, that Bill Barr was a principled institutionalist, and I've said that many times in many places, and over the past several (laughs) weeks, sadly, I've seen data coming over the transom to suggest um, that he is not what I thought him to be. So let's
1: get to it. We're going to spend the uh, the entire portion of this uh, first portion of our uh, roundtable this week just discussing the fallout of this story and, and where the country goes from here. And, and this is going to be more of kind of a free-flowing exchange going back and forth as we just kind of sit around here and come now and reason together. All right, and and where the Trump presidency stands with the uh, independent counsel investigation formally behind him. So let, let's just start with that general question. And Rachel, I'll go to you first. Where do we go from here? Where's the country go from here?
2: Well, ideally, the country would just move on and realize the Democrats, a.k.a. the party of the overplayed hand, uh, is going to keep throwing things, throwing spaghetti against the wall. But Americans just don't seem to care at this point. And so I think what Trump needs to do going into campaign season, which essentially that's what June and July are going to be for him, is to keep talking about the same issues that that have brought him to the table with this high approval rating. But where Democrats go from here, it's going to be the same old thing. And we've seen in the last 24 hours that House Democrats are going to do the same old Old, wearied attacks, which I just want to hit snooze on House Democrats for the next two years and wake me up when they're done. But by the same token, they put out a new Oppo ad for Trump every single day with the ridiculousness. So, where do we go from here? Hopefully, everyone forgets it, but we know that Washington's not going to.
5: Todd, where do we go from here? The only place any reasonable person can think it's going to go is, is down. You saw all of the validation that the press. Uh, and and the left in general is pulling out of this, and and with a guy like uh, Donald Trump, who's been a mediocre president on a good day, he's not he's not a good guy. Uh, he's clearly a bumbler. He doesn't he he does not hire all the best people. He's not in control of his own White House or his own agenda. Yet he's validated. By this report, he's not going to change his stripes. He's going to continue to be the same guy. What, what, can any reasonable person hope that something better than this two years is going to come out of this? No. Steve, this is the show. And it, we got to write. We just signed on for a brand new season. And it's <laughs> not going to get any better.
1: Aaron, where do we go from here?
4: Yeah, the, the ending of Todd's... Um Todd's little soliloquy there is is exactly right. because Nice word. um, Yeah, I can't believe I actually (laughs) said it correctly, too. That'd be two of us. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. helmet sticker. Uh, No, this is exactly what I said would happen right after um, the original uh, summary report came out. Uh, Bill Barr is going to uh essentially we're going to find out that uh when he was in high school he kicked puppies when he was in college he wrote a term paper about uh, how hot dogs are sandwiches and then when he was you know 30 years old he jaywalked that's what we're going to find out now as you just heard in the last clip that from the montage that's what what's going to happen now and then robert moeller we're going to find out the same things about robert moeller he's a terrible human being and then after that we're just going to this is todd is absolutely right this is just the show You can see all of the great helmet stickers, speaking of helmet stickers, that the media and the left, although I'm uh, repeating myself, are giving each other. So this is not going to go away. So this is going – Trump is going to have to be forced to still talk about this for months to come on end. And with the election coming, this is another aspect of this as well. And I don't know if we're going there specifically, but I want to hit on it. If If we're going there, I don't want to step on it. With the election coming up as well. And the people who are running from the from the Democratic Party, their base is going to want blood. They are going to want uh, impeachment. Now, granted, there's more senators than representatives running at this point, but if you get some senators to say, "Yeah, you know, I think the president should be," re-, That's where this thing is going to go. So the left, we've talked about this over and over again, left can't stop, won't stop. And so this is going to keep going on and on until probably Donald Trump is gone. And that's just that's just the way it is. And I think we need to dig in and embrace that.
1: So since you guys have all kind of alluded to this point, then I think that, that, you know, I'm not a great uh, reader of human nature, but I think in the poker world, we would call that a tell. That seemingly is something that is on each of your minds. So let's, let's go here. Let me follow up on that on, on, on this point that you guys all kind of touched on on some level, the political uh, immediacy and, out, and outcome of this. Um, is it true that in reality, it's in, it's in both sides' best interest to continue talking about this? Because they're incapable of governing. And hear me out for a second. You know, we kind of, I brought this up yesterday on the show where the Democrats are concerned. And, you know, we've got a column out for Conservative Review today making a a kind of an in-depth version of this point. You know, if you look at, since the the progressive ascendancy really asserted itself in the Democratic Party with the nomination of McGovern in 72 before any of us were born. uh, If you look at every time the Democrats win the White House, one of two things has occurred. There, there has been a hint of scandal, if not more than a hint, like Watergate in, a, around a Republican incumbent, or there's been economic anxiety, uh, like we saw in 1992, like we saw in 2008. All right? So whenever they ascend to the White House, if one of those two things does not occur, they do not win. They can't win. Because the rest of their agenda, even though the country may not be as conservative as we would like, it's not communist either. They're, they're, they're outside the mainstream on virtually every other, every other issue. So if they're not going to talk Orange Man bad, if they don't have scandal, what are they going to talk about? Gun confiscation? Medicare for all? Infanticide? Open borders? Netanyahu's a racist? I mean, they don't have another issue that doesn't drive off the mainstream from their party. So if, unless the economy turns in the next year, Unless there's a downturn, and you don't want to be seen rooting against the American people openly like that. So unless there's an economic downturn, their only other issue is it's scandal. It is. They have nothing else. It it has to be orange man bad. And then for Trump, he has shown, in my view, an extraordinary ability to force the Democrats to come out from behind their talking points and expose themselves and self-emilating. That's good. He's also shown an extraordinary inability to move his party to to keeping his promises, which is bad. And that's because a lot of his party is ran by lifers who have just decided we're going to be here after Trump's gone. We were here before he got here. So we're just going to wait him out. You know, we're not going to really repeal Obamacare. We're not going to seal the border. We're not going to do any of the stuff we promised for, you know, the 20 years before Trump became president. And so with that political dynamic in mind and with the worst of those offenders, Mitch McConnell in charge of the Senate and the Democrats in charge of the House, no one can govern. And so it, 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 how do you, how do you keep your bases motivated on inertia? One side won't side one side won't run on its issues, the Republicans. The other side can't, the Democrats. So all they can either either one of them run on is Trump, and Trump is probably more comfortable arguing his persona than the issues anyway, cuz that's, you know, he's a reality star and that's kind of his home HQ. So maybe it's in both sides vested interest just to throw another shrimp on the barbie rachel your thoughts on that
2: i mean i i completely agree and i hate to, to say this because it means it, it basically we are as republicans uh, conservatives may be more glad that we're talking about this because to your point if we were to talk about the issues we've realized Republicans have refused and will not re- repeal and replace Obamacare they didn't do anything about the wall when they could have uh, at the end of the lame duck session so arguably Republicans sadly are their better selves when they're in the minority and when we're talking about scandal because they simply just point to how crazy the Democrats are and that's essentially what our party has become but to your point earlier I don't think the economy's going anywhere anywhere fast I think we're uh, Hopefully, we're going to continue to see these steady increases. The best economy we've had in 50 years. To your point, that means scandals going to be around every corner. I mean, we're not talking about the issues anytime soon. But as a conservative, I'd argue I don't know if I want Republicans talking about uh, Mitch McConnell's priority list because you and I have have argued that's just the same as the Democrats. So I don't know where we go. I think you're right. Maybe we just keep talking about how terrible the left is and not talk about issues.
1: Todd, is tell me, I want. I want my hypothesis to be wrong. I want it to, I desperately want it to be wrong. So please poke holes in it. Please go ahead.
5: What what was the Disney movie about the emotions? Um, you know, inside out, inside Inside out. out, Yeah. While listening to you talk, if you could see inside of me, (laughs) The emotions were like they were trying to like uh, find hope. Nope. Find and then anger or whoever would just come down and punch him in the face and keep him down. There's no that's as true uh, as it gets. Uh, the, abandon all hope. Ye who enter here in terms of any of these people outside of a particular moment in time that overtakes everything and everyone and is the catalyst for what people demand in a moment. And we know that is fleeting. I mean, good grief. we If something like 9-11 on our sensibilities can be fleeting, we know that can too. But that's that's the only thing. There, There is nothing aspirational. I've been using that word for a long time now, but there's nothing aspirational about our politics. So the best case scenario is that Trump does uh, keep pulling their pants down. America wakes up from its perpetual nap and all of the cosmic tumblers click into place and we roll uh snake eyes um so (laughs) that's all i got sorry america aaron aaron
1: (laughs) poke holes in my hypothesis aaron my my nihilistic hypothesis tell me i'm wrong
4: uh no um this is you you, i want to underscore something you said very specifically you said this is in both parties Best interests. I
1: know it's in the Democrats best interest. No, yeah, I, it, it may or may not be in the Republicans, but clearly the Democrats well, are better off talking yeah, about Trump.
4: No, along the lines of what Rachel was saying, um, you know, what are Republicans going to run on? We promised to repeal Obamacare for, uh, you know, basically six, seven years and didn't do anything. Um, that's that's I, I think that argument works. But when we're, we're talking about both parties, best interests in the context of Washington, D.C., we're talking about the elected ruling class. And when it's in the ruling class's best personal interest, it's always going to be in our disinterest. It's always going to be at our expense. It's always going to be at the rest of your expense because what's in their personal best interest is the status quo and staying in power and if there's no incentive to actually move the ball forward on anything of substance then what that essentially means and what we're saying is that most of america what's left of america not the left america but what's left of america is left without a voice and that again that's all going to have to um be undone through revival, waking up from the slumber, as as Todd said, but we are at a, a place again. The Washington and the system as it's devised, as we've talked about many times. And I think this instance is just another reminder of that, how there's no incentive to talk about anything other than scandal. It is set up to sustain itself. It's set up heads I win, tails you lose, meaning you being the rest, the left of America, or what's left of America. And that's that's the situation we perpetually find ourselves in yeah. Uh, yeah. nothing has changed Sweet. nothing has changed at all todd again gets the helmet sticker for saying this is going to be a big nothing burger but this is this has not moved any needles anywhere whatsoever you know except right? for except for cnn's traffic numbers and msnbc's and everybody else's traffic numbers you
5: know how you're right that the Dem- the democrats can't win on their issues yet they still win on their, their issues and you know why that happens because the Republicans don't run on their issues, so it, it, nor does Trump. It, or if
1: they don't govern on them, af- when they, they don't this govern, this is on their all issue.
5: self-enforcing.
1: Rachel, sounds like you wanted to chime in. Go ahead.
2: No, it's a chicken or an egg thing. What comes first? Yeah. Is the Democrats have bad issues, or is it the Republicans refuse to run on their issues? Mm-hmm. And it's so convoluted now. It's all—they're all the same. I mean, I, I, yeah, I just I can't believe I woke up in 2019 and like elected members of Congress are arguing about taking American flag stickers off of police cars. I mean, that's, <laughs> yep. that's kind of like, that Republican Democrat, it, I don't know. I, it just, it's not going anywhere and both parties are one and the same as far as I'm concerned in Washington when it comes to power.
1: So let's get outside of our bubble as we close this part of the program out, uh, this con- or conversation out, let's get outside of the bubble that we We live in one two. You know, working in conservative media, we're reaching a niche of a niche every day as well. All right. And so, you know, just like I often say on the show, you know, a political Twitter is not America. Conservative media or liberal media isn't necessarily America either. There's snapshots of them. The average American is I'm wondering, you know, they're thinking I've been living with corrupt politicians all my life. I've been living with national debt all my life. I've been living with you know a lot of things all my life. At this point, my only thing—the only thing I can aspire to—is give me the most amount of my money back I can possibly get. Make sure you know don't do anything policy-wise that gets in the way of me having a job that puts food on the table, and leave me the hell alone. And at that point, I, I, that's really all we're asking for, right? If, if that's—if if I'm right about that, well, you know that's the very environment that would help Donald Trump's reelection in 2020, right? No BS? No BS.
5: It's Good <laughs> Friday. The average American, you're giving them too much credit. They're not even to that, but they're, all apart, they're, uh, they're lazy, they're entitled, and they're ignorant. And this is all of their fault, quite frankly. All of it. Everything that Rachel just summed up and the I- ability you can't distinguish between the parties, your fault, America. You're, this is your country. More than any country in the history of mankind, your country, and you are blowing it.
1: Rachel, what accomplishment do you think with this behind him could the president do now that he couldn't do before? I would like to say... Uh, that that sigh, yeah. yes! <laughs> yeah!
2: <laughs> now look at the emotions like inside her that, right now.
1: Yes. I'm sorry, That's finish your right. answer. Go ahead.
2: No, I mean, I, I would like to say all the things I want him to do, all the things he says he's going to do, uh, secure the border, uh, roll back regulations, but... It, the last two years of the media telling us he was a traitor to our country didn't stop him from getting some good things across. I agree. Yep. It also didn't stop him from not doing some things he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. So I honestly don't think that the last two years or the Mueller report or the press conference yesterday has any bearing on anything he can or should or will do, to be honest, because we're going to keep seeing this same version, diff- same song, yeah. different chorus every day.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, exit question. Trump's job approval in the latest Gallup poll came out the other day. It was 45%. That's the highest of his presidency. That's almost exactly what Obama's was at this point in his first term as well. I'm going to put the over under on Trump's job approval rating, according to Gallup, by the end of the summer at 47%. That's a two-point rise. That's pretty, pretty good. Okay. So are you going to take the over or the under, Todd?
5: You're going all the way to the end of the summer. That's bold, Cotton. That's bold. Uh, I'm going under.
4: Under 47.
5: All right. What do you think, Rachel? Over or under 47? I'm going over.
2: I'm going over. over.
4: What do you think, Aaron? I'm definitely going under. Going under.
1: Would you guys? All right. Let me put it at the 45 it's at right now for the two of you that went under. It's at 45 right now. Would you guys go over or under?
4: You can take a push too. Trump's job approval number is like Schrodinger's cat. It is yes. It's it. It can be in any at any point in the future. It can be at at any two or any three or any five different states. It could be at thirty. It could be at fifty. I don't know. What do you
1: think, Todd? Over under under forty five? Yeah, I'd be shocked if it's under forty five. It may not go to forty seven, but I'd be shocked if it's under forty five. He's got it in him, though. I'd be shocked. Now but, but I agree. He's got it in him. But the problem is, See, twenty-seven I'm, I'm, communists are on television running for t- running for president every day. See, I
5: toggle back and forth which one I'm more yeah. obsessed with. And so, I, I,
1: yeah. listen. I, this is this is. This, I'm not saying he's not capable of, of of wasting the win he just got. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is, you got twenty-seven dem- communists running for president every day, saying, "Hey, we're we're crazy." Okay. Every single day, I, everywhere you turn, they're gonna they're gonna announce the crazy all right it's, well, it's you got it's, it's one floor over the cuckoo's nest every single day go ahead rachel really quick go
2: well you got to think also too in june the 27 communists are going to take the stage for a debate that's right that's he's gonna, true he's, yeah it's going to be game on and he's best when he's pushing back against
1: yep you put communists. him against a foil i said this from the beginning when we competed against him on the cruise campaign undefeated yeah. against a foil on his own very beatable but with a foil yeah. you can't touch him i agree in america too many uh, millions of americans live each day with pain americans are spending about two thousand dollars per year to deal with chronic pain. Uh, Recent poll found two thirds of Americans have just decided, you know what, I got to live like this and just manage this pain uh, the rest of my life. I want to tell you about relief factor. If if you're a frequent listener, viewer to the blaze, you've heard several of our other hosts talk about it, talk about their success stories with relief factor. I'm looking forward to trying this myself. It's hundred percent drug free uh, and it's doctorate physician created. Uh, And here's one of the main selling points to me, four key ingredients. Right. You always hear me harp on this when we talk about products on the show. If you're, if you got a whole bunch of products with names you can't pronounce, and, and, Invariably run away. Sometimes that's okay, but most of the time run far away. All right. Four key ingredients that help your body win the battle against inflammation. And right now you can get a three week quick start of relief factor for only $19.95. That's basically a dollar a day, like a trial pack. And they do this because uh, most people that try the trial pack end up signing up for it uh, for an extended period of time as well. So that's how confident they are in their product. If you want to try this three week quick start for only $19.95, what he got to lose, except maybe finally the pain. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor, all one word relieffactor.com. All right, we'll come back here on the Days Group, and we're going to get into a story that I thought should have gotten much more play this week, but was lost in the shuffle of the Mueller report. A familiar name re-emerged with an interesting tale. We'll talk about it next. <laughs> If you are losing the battle of the bulge, give Riduzone a try. Now, this is not a stimulant, uh, and what I love about it, there's that theme again. You turn over the bottle, there's like three ingredients, and one of them is rice. And the main ingredient of Riduzone is called OEA, which is the main ingredient that makes up what we call olive oil. Our bodies produce it as well. Uh, It's just as we get older, it produces a lot less, and that's one of the reasons our metabolisms slow down, we're not the fat-burning machines we were when we were younger, or if you were, like my story, if you just you know did, did, treated your body terribly for too long, and then you finally decided to get to back uh, and get healthy again, you have a hard time sometimes uh, reigniting that metabolism after it laid dormant for so long as well. That's why you want to give RidUzone a try. I mean, you have another option. go just go to the store, drink an entire bottle of olive oil, and get the OEA there that your metabolism needs to both kickstart it on one end and regulate it on the other. Other. That's you know, that's that, that's aggressive. Or you can just take one capsule of Riduzone a day and they're offering 30% off a three-month supply when you use my name Steve as a promo code right now at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. That's how you spell it. RIDUZone.com promo code Steve to get 30% off your three-month supply. Um, forgive me. I accidentally closed out my script. Let me call it back up here on an awkward moment. Imagine Marco Rubio taking a drink during a State of the Union uh, response. Issue two, left behind.
4: The Rams pick is in. Let's go to the podium and hear what they have to say.
3: With the 249th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the St. Louis Rams select Michael Sam, defensive end, Missouri.
4: It's been five years since Michael Sam rose to fame after being the first openly gay player selected in the NFL Draft. If you'd forgotten about him, you're probably not alone. He played only three preseason games for the then-St. Louis Rams before being cut. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys, got cut again, participated in Dancing with the Stars, signed with the CFL's Montreal Alouettes, and then left that team. His career in football has been dead for years now. What's transpired in the years since has been revealed by Sam in an interview with Yahoo Sports published this week. The following are excerpts of that story. When Sam arrived in Montreal in May of 2015, his ex-fiancé, Vito Camisano, stayed back in Dallas. They had broken off their engagement but were trying to work on their relationship. Ever since the quote-unquote kiss scene around the world on draft night, their relationship had been in the spotlight. Sam was no longer gay in the abstract sense, and vitriol came from everywhere. Bigots, trolls, colleagues even those within the LGBT community. In the fall of 2016, back in Dallas, he was a broken man. He had become increasingly depressed and drank more. He stayed with Camisano for a while, but by then he had given up any hope of rekindling the relationship. He moved into a one-bedroom apartment and brought the LA lifestyle with him. He reached out to organizations and companies in sports and the LGBT community But, quote, no one would give me a job. Where was the support that I got for coming out? I felt like I was used by everyone. So there was
1: a period of time a few years ago where he was omnipresent. Uh, Oprah, ESPN, NFL Network, everywhere you went, every place that mattered in pop culture, uh, Michael Sam was celebrated. And elevated, And I'll, I'll never forget sitting there that Saturday watching the NFL draft with my son, who was seven at the time, uh, and watching the very first ever uh, homosexual cake smash makeout session broadcast live by ESPN. And, it, I mean, they had us convinced this was going to be the new avant-garde, and then suddenly he disappeared. And, and I, when I read this story, my first reaction was, you know, we have, haven't we seen this before? um where you know where's the follow up to roy moore's accusers in alabama where did they ever get the justice you know they you know a couple of washington post reporters won a pulitzer for that lee korfman and those women that he allegedly uh you know uh, assaulted and abused and and you know creeped on four, 35 years ago did they ever get anything any other form of justice any follow up at all other Ooh. than uh, exactly um you know uh christy blazy ford we She did return for like five minutes this week, yep. courtesy of Kamala Harris, but five seconds after Brett Kavanaugh was, uh, was confirmed, Rectum barely knew him. We, this is a routine we see a lot with the American left, all right? A- am I wrong about this? And is Michael Sam just the latest example? And if I'm wrong, tell me why you think I'm wrong. And if I'm right, then tell me why you think this trend exists. Todd, I'll start this one with you.
5: You're right. Uh, and because this is the perfect, providentially perfect Good Friday story. Because progressivism is a cult, and you are watching how cults act. Cults require human sacrifice. They there There's no inherent dignity in you at all. And so, Michael S- Sam is now dead to them. He got them uh, the grand pagan whatever. That they were hoping for.
1: He left the, he, they used him as a vehicle to wedge their way into one of the last masculine meritocracies, yeah. the NFL, right? And when he couldn't make a team, then they, he, he can't, he's of no use to them anymore. Exactly.
5: And here yeah. we are. Uh, God loved you so much, even in your sin, that he would die for you to bring you new life. That is our faith. You are watching the faith that Michael Sam bought into to his great uh, shame and regret on some level right now, hopefully total, and he will be redeemed from what he bought into. But just there, there are more and more, there, there are five-year-old little boys who are being taught that they are girls right now. This Michael Sam was just the tip of the iceberg. It, and it, it is a grotesque hall of mirrors that we are living in right now. And I I, I started to think how bad the example has to be before the people in the middle that I before described as uh, lazy and ignorant finally say here and no further.
1: Rachel, your thoughts as somebody who you you work in the meat, you work with media. Uh, you help to consult people on how to engage media. And let's face it, the vast majority of that media, except for places like this, are are bought into the cult of progressivism. So I, I'm very interested to get your perspective on the rise and discarding of Michael Sam.
2: Well, I, first of all, I want to say it's really sad. I mean, I'm sad when I when I read that same story that he... That, the way he felt disregarded kind of led him down a, a life that was just very sad and lonely. And I think to your point, Todd, that is that is the hope that is this weekend with Easter. But aside from that, you're absolutely right. I mean, the media you, you mentioned the Roy Moore accusers. I think, you know, Chris. Uh, Chrissy Blasey Ford, uh, what what you didn't really see the left use, the one exception where they didn't use the victim was, say, uh, Justin Fairfax, <laughs> the lieutenant governor of Virginia. It mm-hmm. just happened to be accusers of a, a leftist. They, they they weren't there to, to use them at all. Uh, but you're right. The, the whole use and abuse thing for cliques is something that, especially in the Me Too movement and the gender identity uh, movement and any of these movements, if you're useful for them for a good story for three or four days then great, otherwise in your left to pick up the heap of your life, the ashes of your life when they leave and go pick up their or to your point. So yeah, there's Michael Sam is the tip of the iceberg for the people that they've, they've used. I do feel like though, with the Kamala Harris writing of the forward or the article for Time Magazine for Christy Bozzi Ford, I feel like she was the one where they maybe realized they used her so much. The least they could do was just give her one of the, the top 100 people and, and write a letter to, Write a letter for her. Uh, that did not seem like breaking the liberal mo where they just leave them in, in the dust they must they must have felt a little bit bad about that one because it does seem a little bit different from how they normally treat victims
4: aaron for me I, first word again was exactly what rachel said it is it is sad i don't think how i don't i don't think anybody with a conscience it's a heartbreaking it, story it is to i mean it, it really is anybody with a conscience can't i i don't see how you couldn't feel something pricked uh of sorrow for this guy and the choices that he's made and and what he thought was going to be best for him um, totally ended up, um, totally ended up abandoning him on on almost every single level. And that's that's what I'm reminded about is that the left in this country, progressivism, always, always, always ends up victimizing those who they claim to champion, whether that is, uh, femi- you know, women's rights, the feminist. Um, you know, the, the feminism in, in general, you know, Me Too, uh, you know, being born out of Harvey Weinstein and, and Hollywood, um, you know, this... Uh, with any and, and the reason this happens, the reason this happens is because progressivism right now um, in this country, and it will be for the foreseeable future, is basically all about tearing down the natural uh, order mm-hmm. and natural law. Mm-hmm. Anytime you encourage that behavior and people buy into that, they will eventually become victims of their own choices. And victims, yes, they are their own choices, so they're technically you know, not victims. But they are going to end up being harmed by their own choices. That's why progressivism always harms those who it claims to champion. You can t- just think about any type of pre- people group, any type of people group at all, and you can come up with examples of how whatever they're advocating for, whatever they say they're advocating for, it always, always does not end up that way. Um, and it is, it, it should be heartbreaking, especially as the perspective that Todd just brought up, especially this Easter weekend, when there is redemption there. There is redemption for them right there, right in front of them. And when it's in some cases, right in front of them. And, you know, they, they choose to live the way they do it's it is heartbreaking it should be
1: you know it, they did his career a disservice um he yep. you know you guys know him an NFL draft nick cuz I'm a big college football guy so I followed his career very closely at Missouri consensus all-american SEC defensive player of the year in the best conference by far in America uh you know he's the classic tweener meaning you know his 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 physical attributes kind of are in between numerous positions in terms of your scheme, but he should have been able to at least stick as a situational pass rusher on a team. But here's the problem, and this is why he went to the very last round to those St. Louis Rams in the same state as the University of Missouri, is because he became such a political cause celeb, if you are one of those other 31 NFL teams, if you draft him, and if you, at any point you have to cut him, given given and this is the media environment from five years ago given how we've seen it devolve all the more in the last year all right can you imagine if you had drafted michael sam and at any point you had to cut him what would be said about you what would be written about you espn and the phase they went through kind of michael sam was kind of the ushering in of the jamel hill era of 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 espn you'd have been you you were over There'd be no reason at all why you would cut Michael Sam. They'd go find out, oh, he attended a church that preached to the Book of Romans uh, five years ago. You're chipping just... Joanna Gaines. You're the Benham brothers. You're done the next day. Yeah. They couldn't afford to give him a, a fair shot because you wouldn't be given a fair shot if you put him on your team. And so they had to put him on the local team where he was kind of insulated from this.
5: Yeah, This is why the only way to win uh, the game of progressive is not to play because all of- the things you're supposed to do, the boxes you're supposed to check, you draft the guy, your odds of being called a bigot actually go up down the road.
1: Yeah. You give him a chance. There's a better chance you're a bigot by giving him one. You're exactly right. Exit question. Who's somebody you can think of right now or recently that was or is being elevated and or shoved down our collective throats by the left? And like a year from now, it will be like they never lived uh, once they're no longer useful. Todd?
5: Oh, I... I already mentioned it. it. It's, it's these, uh, transgender uh, kids that, um, inevitably end up, I mean, in places that should give all of us nightmares.
1: Meaning once the horror stories of what we put them through and they start telling, yeah. it'll, well, be like,
5: Hey, yeah. we were never, we never backed up well, backed this once point. they're committing suicide or doing heroin in a corner or homeless or something like that. When the mental illness has been fawned over to the point that it breaks them. Yeah. Rachel.
2: I would have said this, I would have said Colin Kaepernick because I thought he would disappear. I mean, a couple months ago, the, the Redskins were talking about bringing him in um, to play quarterback, which that, that didn't happen. But I wonder, every year I say, we're not going to hear about Colin Kaepernick next year. Right. Um, and every year he, like, reemerges. But I think we're maybe on the tail end of the pop-ups. So I think Colin Kaepernick, now to, to his to, to what he did, the left used him, but I think Colin Kaepernick put a lot of it on himself. Sure. I'm going to say he He's responsible for a lot of it, but I'm kind of so sick of this that I'm hoping that 2019 will be the last time we hear of Colin Kaepernick, and 2020 he will, he will be not even a mention.
1: Aaron, it's Buttigieg. Buttigieg. See, I that would, I agree <laughs> with you. I yeah. think it's Pete Buttigieg. I wholeheartedly agree with yeah. that. Issue four, Florida man.
4: There's a lot of things Florida man is not. Chief among those, he ain't lazy. This week, Florida man was arrested in Naples after eating pasta in a belligerent manner outside an olive garden. When police arrived, they discovered the shirtless man sitting on the bench outside the establishment. The man was allegedly shoveling spaghetti into his mouth with his hands. Florida man was actually once a successful entrepreneur, but things took a turn for the worse when he drove his Ferrari off a dock and into the ocean. It's unclear whether the Olive Garden incident happened before or after Florida Man firebombed the garage that impounded his new car, or whether he was drunk as he rode his bike to the Olive Garden in question. What is clear is that he's not going to be able to afford a new car anytime soon, since the rare coins Florida Man stole just last week were cashed at a Coinstar for a little less than 30 bucks. How he stole those rare coins is a story in and of itself. Security camera footage of the home he burglarized show him successfully disarmed the security system by licking it. Police say once he was inside, not only did he steal the rare coins, but he also stole laxatives thinking they were opioids. Florida man has been forced into a life of crime, but it's not for lack of trying to find an honest job. He recently had an interview at Kohl's, but lost that opportunity after shoplifting during said interview. And that, my friends, is how Florida Man went from a once successful entrepreneur to sitting outside a random olive garden, drunk and shirtless, and eating pasta in a belligerent manner.
1: Perfect. Perfect. So here's the only question in this one. What would be your, if you if you were Florida Man, what would be your strange Florida Man crime? I'll tell you mine. Mine would be stalking the executives at EA Sports until they uh, begin making the NCAA football game again. What would be yours, Todd? <sighs>
5: Uh, Florida man uh, arrested for concealed carry apple cider vinegar.
1: Nice. I could. Yes, I know that's your fetish. Rachel.
2: I, I mean, as somebody who has tried and attempted to eat healthy and be on the whole 30, I actually can very, very easily see myself belligerently eating spaghetti <laughs> and shoving <laughs> pasta into my mouth. So there's a, a little spirit animal connection there. Um, but I'll say living in DC with all of these monuments and fountains where people just throw their currency into them and these silver dollars, all this money sits underneath a four feet of chlorinated water. I would love to at night just like scoop up all the spare change nice. and just use it as a side hustle and, and nobody could stop me. That's
4: good. That's I good. like that one. Pay down the
2: national debt maybe. Yeah,
1: I don't know.
4: Yeah. She put some thought into that one. Aaron. Erin. Uh, Shirtless, middle of the night, high on peyote, making a coffee table in the middle of the road. (laughs) Yes. All right, let's get to our predictions. Aaron, you're first. Go quick. Uh, Chiefs will end the season with a 10-6 and record, taking a slight step back, but that will still be good enough just to edge out the uh, the, uh, Los Angeles Chargers for first place in the AFC West.
1: Aaron Streak, if it's either the Chiefs or the Hawkeyes, and every prediction continues.
5: Uh, Todd? In the next couple months, Buttigieg will be either in the lead or within five points of it. Okay. What do you think, Rachel? Your prediction.
2: Uh, sadly, I think the Nationals are going to be uh, mourning the day that we let Bryce Harper uh, make a fool of us when he, with his bat throw when he returned. We have a terrible bullpen. I think the Nationals are unfortunately going the way of uh, Buttigieg. <laughs> I <think. laughs> I think they're gonna be so irrelevant and it makes me so sad. But we have the NFL draft this, you know, this week. So I, I've got my Colts to fall back onto for any everlasting sports hope.
1: I hope not, man. They I I picked the nationals to be in the World Series this year. So I hope you're wrong. All right. Okay. My my prediction is the Arizona Cardinals are gonna pick Kyler Murray in the first round on Thursday in the draft. But it may not be with the with the number one overall pick. Hmm. That I I, That's I weird. I, I, I could see them I could see a team. Uh, looking at either Bosa or Josh Allen and saying, I think there's four truly elite players in the draft saying that rush guy is the one we have to have Mm -hmm. and maybe they draft him later or they trade back into the first round and draft him. Just just a thought. Rachel, it was great to have you with us. We'll definitely do it again. All right, good to see you. Thanks, Steve. All right, take care. We'll come back. Hour two is next. Today's Truth Bomb and some feedback Friday coming your way right here. Live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. to Live and On Demand on the Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. And you are you. 888 900 93 That's the number. 888 900 at Steve at is how you can email the program. Like us a lot, hopefully. Uh, on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We'll get to some of the feedback that you've sent to us via the SteveDace.com inbox here shortly. We've got a truth bomb from the Wayback Machine. That We're going to be talking about here that turned out to be a little more prophetic than maybe uh, most of us would prefer. That's coming up a little bit later on as well. Hey, real estate agents, I trust those sponsors this part of the program. It's a company that was started by Glenn Beck and his associates a few years ago. Tired of real estate agents that talk a good game and then don't deliver the results when they're needed the most. And if you're looking for help with what is likely going to be your biggest investment in life, your own home, you're looking for an agent that understands three things. Number one, that, uh, that buying and selling a home is a complicated process. So you're looking for somebody who has a track record of performance navigating that process also uh, number two that part of that complicated process is understanding that a home's value isn't as simple as an algorithm for example uh, maybe there's a reason that home across the street is is going under market value than what homes were sold in your neighborhood a year or two ago and it and it doesn't mean your home's lost its value, but there's a personal situation there that, that the, the owners are desperate to get out from underneath that house. And so they've priced it to sell right away. Again, these are things, nuances that uh, an agent that's doing his homework uh, will do for you. And then third, you know, you guys you've get, uh, you have got to get, you have to get along. You're going to be talking a lot, uh, consulting a lot, working very closely together. Uh, th- it takes a lot more than an open house to sell a home. All right. And, and so you need somebody who is, is invested in the process as you are, not just in the outcome. So if you're looking for the right agent, get moving with realestateagentsitrust.com. It's different from other referral services that are really about finding clients for agents. This is about finding, a, a, finding an agent worthy of you, of having you as his or her client. realestateagentsitrust.com is the website, realestateagentsitrust.com let's get to today's truth bomb brought to you by my new book truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise you get your copy at amazon.com right now and if you've had a chance to read it if you wouldn't mind uh, leaving us a five-star review we would greatly appreciate you thank you to all of you that have done that for us uh, already as well i saw this video percolating yesterday because it's a it's a portion of an interview that uh the late musical great david bowie gave with the bbc back in 1999 and he was uh, talking at that point about the advent of the internet going global and becoming a daily force in our lives watch this
0: i don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg i think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool though, isn't it? No, it's not, no. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, (laughs) when you think then about- Is there life on Mars? (laughs) Yes, it's just landed here. But that's, yeah. it's a simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment. Where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so it's going to it's going to crush our ideas of what m- mediums are all about.
5: Hello,
1: Dave Yeah, that that's incredible. And it all it all happened. And I, I if I could summarize what I heard him say there, and that's why I wanted to, to share this with our truth bomb today, uh, you often refer Aaron to the quote from Malcolm Muggridge that uh, the the media is the message, right yep. That there's not a separation between the media and the message. the media itself is the message. Uh, It gets deter. The media determines what messages get communicated, whom the messages get communicated to, what style of of messages it will permit. Right, and the advent of the internet changed all of that. Changed the way we communicate, what we feel free to say to each other or not say. Um, It changed absolutely everything. Everything. I mean, in many respects, if you wanted to know what life was like when Alexander Graham Bell said, Watson, come here, I need you. And how life, all of life in the world changed after that moment occurred. We lived through version 2.0 of that with the internet, didn't we?
4: Yeah, and that's um, uh, Marshall, Mar- Marshall McLuhan, the, the great communications theorist, and it's been often repeated by by multiple multiple people. Be, it, it oh, is, did I
1: misquote or give the wrong source for the quote? My yeah, bad, thank um, you.
4: It, you know, just random theorists. Uh, the it is – what is really interesting to know is the people prior to, let's just say your example that you just brought up, the Alexander Graham Bell, did the people even have the imagination of what it would be like to talk to somebody through a wire from great – distance? was that even like – was somebody – boy, it would be just great if we could talk to people thousands of miles away through a wire um, – But it'd be really, it would be really cool if somebody could figure out. Was that even like a concept that people had? And the Mm -hmm. reason why I ask that is because what is the next stage then for us today as well? That's going to change the game. Like I don't have any conception of how. I mean, I have internet at home. I don't pay very much for it. It's super fast. I get everything that I could, you know, ever uh, want to get in in terms of digital content um, through. I cannot. And, and anybody has in at least in the developed country or in a d- the developed world anybody has access to that I'm it's it's really interesting to think about what we're on the precipice of as well but on the actual social level that that dialogue or that monologue there from uh, David Bowie that hits the nail on 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 the head in so many different ways Um but as you said just a few minutes ago, before we even set this up, pretty much in all the ways that we would not want to, it is very much an alien monster. And I, for some reason, I don't know why, but I just watched this a couple weeks ago, and I told you about it. Uh, it's um, Black Mirror on Netflix, the interactive film. Um, oh, what is the, oh Bandersnatch?
1: Bandersnatch, yeah.
4: i for whatever reason that movie came. It popped in my head while I was while I was listening to him talk because it is it is like we are hearing him talk it's it is like we are living in some sort of weird universe where it's now the you know there's this weird interplay between the you know the material um, but not uh, the, the material internet you know that's not actually a real person and real people and the interplay is just really weird it is almost like it is an alien an alien being what are your thoughts, oh, to this
5: is this is what I was talking about, uh, and I clearly needed the guy who did the blue jean video back in the day to. Um, gosh, you remember that ground control to Major Tom? Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, he, he needed to put it better than I could. But when we were talking about how uh, cell phones have changed how uh, the millennial generation, we in particular, communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some disagreement about you know what happens amongst generations, but I, that that I was trying to put a point on something. There's something fundamentally different, and it's not the the millennium gen, millennial generation isn't to blame for it. Um, but it is what they were born with. You and I, Steve, are all reacting to it, and even though we, uh, it's easy to forget now because we've had it long enough. You and I can remember a time very vividly about what we had to do to you know. I think about it all the time when I'm driving out to take my kids to a soccer complex. I just say, get me there. You know, we had to mm-hmm. pull out maps and things like that. You know, Aaron has generation Stop and ask for directions yeah, has never had to do that. That, Fair. that drip, 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 drip it is, is an alien life form that will change you at a fundamental level. And then the generations you have thereafter. And I think David Bowie's right. We can't quite imagine what that's going to mean. So before we get
1: to feedback Friday, and I'm glad none of you went there because I, I wanted to ask this as a follow-up question. But but I, I didn't start with it because I wanted to see if you guys would bring it up unprompted. It, I don't think you can possibly make an argument that our lives are not better than they were because of the internet. I mean, I, go, I even go to what you just said about directions, you know. I, I, we're. I'm much less worried when my daughter says, "Hey, I want to go to, I want to go, uh, you know, to Steak and Shake, out in Cedar Rapids, uh, or Iowa City with one of my girlfriends, and drive out there. Are you okay with it? I'm much less worried about if they hit a deer or they blow a tire." Right? Because they're not sitting out there on in the, in the interstate all by themselves, and where they have to ask a trucker or another car and maybe somebody, no matter what vehicle they're driving, maybe a little squirrely for help, they can just call me on a cell phone if there's a problem or call the police, right? Little things like that, okay? I don't think you can argue that as a standalone, the, techno- the technology has not been a huge boost for us as a species. How much of the trade-off negatives, though, because there's always, there's always a trade-off, always, all right? How much of the trade-off negatives would be alleviated if social media had never been invented? If there was never a Facebook, never a MySpace, never an Instagram, never a Twitter. If there was never even a comments section on blogs. If if the social media aspect of it, we're now instead of just technology that we can use to make us safer, to make things that used to be much more problematic to acquire that were necessary, um, less so. Uh, the ability for us to get information in and around the Overton window, this has been a great benefit where that's concerned as well, right? How much of the trade-off of the negativity that's come with this advent of societal evolution would be eliminated if the social aspect of this had never occurred
4: pretty much all of it you think so, yeah, why? well, I mean i I look at the pot I'm trying to look at the positive aspects of social media. Uh, the internet has the the good thing about the internet is that it has uh, allowed us essentially to communicate um instantaneously and more effectively. The trade-off, though, is that the internet has allowed us to communicate more instantaneously and more effectively, which means and with less accountability. And with less accountability, the entire purpose of uh, the telecommunications, as far as GPS and cell phones and things of that nature, the t- that's a utility that you use to get where you're going or to talk to one person. Uh, in the the case of uh, you know cell phones. In the case of social media, its entire purpose is basically to put every to connect everyone, even people that you would rather not maybe be connected with on a day-to-day basis. So the result of that is that you get a better picture and a more up-close picture for better or worse and most of the time worse of everybody's depravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is that really – is that a bad thing? I mean – it's not comfortable. I mean, we see depravity everywhere, but just to be reminded of that and slapped in the face with that every single day, everybody else's depravity, when you have, you know, have enough in your own life to worry about, I'm not sure that that's a good thing. And, you know, I like Facebook. And one of the positive aspects of Facebook is that I get to stay connected with family in, in Spokane or in Pennsylvania. Well, you know, with Skype, I could do that as well. And so I you know, that's one that's one positive aspect of Facebook that I don't really need Facebook to provide for me. And so all the other aspects are just, you know, it's that video we played earlier this week from that uh, village in India. It's just flinging poop at each other on a day-to-day basis.
5: I, um, I'm i not sure about any of my answers. I think this is important, one area, to have conversations and say things out loud and have iron sharpen iron. But I think that it would the notion that it would be alleviated by getting rid of social media would it goes too far i think you have to go towards computer technology in general say uh what 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 else like in computer technology has done what social media has done i would say uh video games i played a ton of video games as a kid nothing wrong with playing video games but that those have trapped a whole segment of particularly young boys who turn into men and that's that's all they do. This is again. I've just mentioned it. I think last week the difference between a grown man who plays video games and a grown man who only plays video games and there's no balance in his life. So it's not just social media is trapped. It it, it while it, it 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 brings more people. The thing about technology and even social media, it 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 it's social, but it more super superficially turns us in towards ourselves than just about anything else which is why it becomes so easy to hate the other uh and and that's not just something uh social media has done i mean the the fact that men have forgotten to be men it's happened for other reasons computer technology related other than just social media
1: so i think you guys actually gave the same answer
5: yeah what you guys
1: you guys actually gave the same answer just from a different vantage point but you said the same thing we are the
4: problem yeah yeah Te- we're the, we're the technology problem. is amoral. We're, we're the problem, yes. And
1: that and that anti technology arguments are are essentially um, there's gun confiscators and then there's people who earnestly believe in that gun control. Um, but but and those that latter group, their arguments for gun control would sound a lot like what you guys just said about the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, look at you know. We're, well, so a gun can't fire itself, yeah. right? Right. Your your PlayStation Four can't turn itself on or off, for that matter, right? Right. Um, you know, I mean, so we're the problem. If only, if only a solution had been offered for this problem that our species and our nature brings to the table and has a tendency to sully even things created for our own good, a weapon by which you could defend yourself against enemies, both foreign and domestic, a technology by which you could make yourself and the things you believe and the things about life that you love more readily available to share uh, with other people. And yet we, we almost can't help but pollute these things that, so on one hand we have this instinctive this instinctive ability to create the very things that can make life east of Eden better. And then I wonder where where those kinds of instincts, talents and gifts come from. And then on the other hand we will take the talents and gifts and instincts that we use to create these things and will pollute them rather than using them the way that they were intended or with a form of moderation. It's a shame, really. There is no solution to what lies within our nature. We're just kind of stuck with it. So I guess we just make do.
5: Happy Easter, though. Indeed. Let's get the Feedback
1: Friday. This is where we respond to your responses to us. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Uh, That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Let's start with Mitch. Mitch says, when you see atheists, and the reason he's calling Tiger Woods here an atheist, is because Tiger Woods, by his own admission, is a Buddhist, and if you if you effectively look at what Buddhists believe, they are effectively atheists, really. Uh, when you see atheists on TV like Tiger Woods saying the Lord's name in vain, what if it leaves um, what if it leaves Jesus feeling justified by the fact even atheists are recognizing his importance, even though obviously they are blaspheming him in the process. I mean, I'm sure God is neither surprised by it or anything, and he's not happy with it. But in a strange way, isn't this recognition of him? When you think about it, what kind of message is it for an atheist to constantly constantly be saying the name of the God he claims to not believe in? Just seems like an odd situation to me. Mitch, you are bringing up something I've talked about in the past. When the guy roofing your house, and maybe it's you, uh, when the guy roofing your house hits his thumb with the hammer, you ever heard him scream out, Allah! Man. You ever heard that? No. You ever heard that, Aaron? No. No? When you've almost gotten into an accident because somebody didn't yield right or skipped over a four-way stop or tried to run that yellow light before it went red and they were late, And you nearly, you just averted a head-on collision with your kids in the car. And your angst level's at its highest. Right at that moment, has anybody ever screamed out, Confucius! You ever heard that? No. think that's ever happened, like ever. In the history of the earth, Aaron, has that ever happened?
4: No. No? I'm pretty sure, pretty sure not.
1: What about at the, the pinnacle of the moment of um uh 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 uh, physical pleasure i was trying to seek a proper euphemism that would salvage some semblance of my email inbox upon invoking it um does anybody ever at that moment ever screamed out sit hartha you ever heard that no no I mean, you're married with four kids, Catholic. You guys don't do any birth control or anything, right? So you got some experience in this area. You ever, Siddhartha, ever come out of your mouth at that moment or anything like that? No.
5: Uh, no, and my wife is asking you to stop this line of questioning. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point.
1: Uh, so that's not the question to ask the homeschool kid who's not married yet. But I've never heard actually anybody scream out Siddhartha in really any context. As a matter of fact,
5: <laughs> Joe. Boo. <laughs> or Joe yeah.
1: I've never heard that. Uh Dormamu. Never heard that. I've never heard Great Scott. I've never heard that. That'd be pretty cool. Huh? That would be. <laughs> By the last son of Krypton? That might make me wonder what Jerome! Yes, my wife was watching last night, but now I've you know when i when you get mad, no one ever says Muhammad. Right? At the height of ecstasy, no one ever screams out, you know, Zoraster. Nobody does that. Freddie Mercury actually grew up in a Zoroastrian household. Did you guys know that? The lead singer of Queen? You told me
5: when you did the movie yeah. review.
1: Yeah, and if you watch the movie, you can tell he he had numerous heights of ecstasy. I doubt he ever screamed out Zoroaster one time. Why do I bring this up? Because I think Mitch is Mitch is actually, I think, making a really profound point here. You only blaspheme something that you recognize has power. You don't blaspheme something. You, In fact, you cannot. It's impossible to blaspheme something that lacks power. So your act of blasphemy in and of itself, uh, as Yoda would say, your thoughts huh. betray you. Your act of blasphemy in and of itself is your tacit admission you know who has the power.
5: Even the devil knows scripture. Yes,
1: you know where the power is. And so therefore as St. Paul would say, you're without excuse. You know. We know. We know. And that's why at those moments when we either feel the most powerless or the most powerful, We only blaspheme the name that is above every name, the name that at one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We don't blaspheme demons, lesser gods, fake gods, idols. We don't. You may have, you may idolize celebrities. You may idolize your favorite sports team. No one's ever sprained their ankle turning their foot on a basketball court and then screamed out Lakers. No one's ever done that. Never. There's no power in that name. You only blaspheme the name that has power. I think Mitch I think Mitch is onto a very profound observation, gentlemen.
4: Yeah, the same type of thing I've wondered about Richard Dawkins before. Why does he spend so much time, and now it's uh, Muslims, but he still gives equal time to to Christians quite a bit. Why does he spend so much time ripping Jesus? Why does he spend so much time ripping the Judeo-Christian God? Why does he spend so much time ripping Christians? Why does he spend so much time and energy doing that? I mean... If we're irrelevant, if there's no God, then we are irrelevant. Why? Why does He give? Well, I mean, we're always ragging on unicorns, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What? What? I mean, we're just we're we're the not fit. You know what? If if we're just if we're clinging to some you know guns and Bibles. If we're just clinging to some god, then maybe um, we are going to be the ones that are left out by the next stage of evolution. Why? Why are we the problem, Mister Dawkins? That's that's something I've always that's something that I've always wondered uh, about. That kind of along those lines as well.
5: Oh, Mister Dawkins is like what I was just talking about uh, with technology. He, he, you you can't help but turn inward. Uh, such a crappy roadmap that you guys have in progressivism, and end up in a place that is remotely edifying for the long term. It's it's just not really any more uh, complicated uh, than that. Uh, and that's you, why
1: you see them get cynical, nihilistic. Right. When I when I tried to make an apolitical point a couple of weeks ago about the Virginia men's basketball yeah. team and writers from Rolling Stone and all these lefty rag, and it was just vile. You know, it was it was it. It wasn't even sexual. Like it, this wasn't this was sexual imagery and language that not isn't wasn't tantalizing in, on any level. You know what I'm saying? there there there. This this was it was just ugly. It was just it was just you know what? Nasty. It was just nasty. And that's why when you when you embrace it at that level, when you've rejected truth and beauty at that level, not even not even the fun sins that used to tempt you. Can satisfy you anymore everything's just ugly at that point right yeah absolutely along those lines here's a question from that somebody emailed me recently i get my computer which is now locked up to work here we go um please unlock here it is william will pedophilia or polygamy be the next letter added to the special people's alphabet it, our, by, 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 by what standard would they say no to that
4: it's already there I mean
5: there, there was just a, a defense I can't remember the exact um, magazine or scientific document whatever but defending uh, defending pedophilia is not um it's it, it can't be morally abhorrent it may be something you want to restrict but it 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 can't it can't be uh, uh, alluded to in any way as a moral quotient if they went the born that way
1: what was it about seven or eight years ago i remember covering it at the time one of the major psychiatric um institutions came out with a study that said uh that molested children actually feel pleasure now, saying it, they didn't, they didn't use that in the context of, and that's why, and therefore, blank should be okay. But once we start going there, you are, you are uh, as Tears for Fears once sang, sowing the seeds. I mean, that, that's what you're doing. You are, you are setting the, you're laying the groundwork for the argument that is to come later. I mean, when you have Charlize Theron out there saying, well, you know, I thought I had had a daughter or I thought I had a son until my son told me at three that he's a girl. Well, my, my son told me at three boogers were good uh, and that he was Batman and he was here to clean up Arkham Asylum once and for all. So, of course, I sent him to the local mental ward with a cape and cowl and said, hey, go be a security guard because the most adult thing we can ever do is act upon every pronouncements of our toddlers, Right. Once we go down that road, though, by which, where would we then restrain ourselves? Once we have kicked open that gate and walked through it, where would the means by which we would restrain ourselves come from? Where would it come from?
5: Well, not only do you not want to, but chaos is the very tool when your modus operandi is hating the things of God. Yeah, you chaos.
1: You is, need to chaos is your roadmap. Yes, you need because it, can, yeah, it becomes I, a self-fulfilling I gotta, prophecy.
4: I got to push back on this. Go ahead. And there's 30 seconds left, so I mean, if we want to bring it, I, you know, the ability to restrain ourselves comes from common sense, guys. Common sense. This is this is crazy talk.
1: It, it, you know what? Let's make it crazier. Why not? We'll make it even crazier when we come back. Stay tuned. Hey, energy, those energy drinks, energy supplements, booming industry these days. But have you ever turned over the back of the bottle there? And how many of those words that are in the uh, listed ingredients can you actually pronounce or have ever heard in your life? Don't go there. All right. Hey, if you can get your energy fuel at a gas station, I mean... Go get you take your car to the gas station to get the fuel the manufacturer intended. All right When your body needs fuel you should go to the source that your manufacturer intended as well And that's where the team of top physicians at Brickhouse nutrition come in Uh, An outstanding product. I'm a frequent user big fan of it. It's called from dawn to dusk It uses clean energy uh, Helps you with a focus and improved mood throughout the day as well Maybe for some of us up to 10 hours no jitters no afternoon crashes and also no calories and no sugar. If you want to try Dawn to Dusk, uh, I would highly recommend it. And right now you can uh, help yourself get over the 5 p.m. finish line the way nature and your creator intended. If you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, BrickHouseSteve.com, and use my name as a promo code Steve while you're there, you get 15% off of your first order. It's called From Dawn to Dusk, and it's only available at BrickhouseSteve.com. That's BrickhouseSteve.com. Let's finish up uh, here uh, with this uh, Feedback Friday question from William, who asks, "When will polygamy and uh, pedophilia officially be the next recognized letter uh, in our in the you know Rainbow Jihad's alphabet soup?" And you I, you made an excellent point, uh, Todd, about what happens when. You know, we have no means by which to restrain ourselves. And once we kick open that gate and we walk through that, where would then, because in order to to kick it open, we are rejecting the force that would give us the power to restrain ourselves, right? right? By the act of kicking it open in the first place. And then once we walk through and embrace that, where would we practice restraint from there? Here's the thing. Once you fully embrace, we will all walk up to the gate. We will all maybe even um, put our hands through its fencing. Feel around in there. We'll all straddle that gate. We'll all maybe even, as we're straddling that gate, one foot come over the gate and land on the ground. We'll find, you sure do have a pretty gate. It's a, we, we will love the gate. It is one thing, though, to dance with the gate. And the fact that we aren't willing to fully cross it indicates there's some still small voice in the back of our head we're still listening to telling us, don't. The gate may entice us. We may keep returning back to the, to the gate, gazing upon it, wondering, I wonder if I should. But the reason we don't go through it is we there's some voice or some recognition of the cost as we've seen others have have to pay when they have gone through it. Once, though, we go through full bore, even if we crack it open, take a step, and then... No, I can't. Once we go through the gate and close it behind us and then affirmatively start walking towards the darkness on the other side of that gate, here's what happens. It, we... He, is the force that would cause us to practice restraint and say, no, is it that force is either on the present or it's not. It's either transcendent or it's not. It either is a light shining in the darkness or it's not. It either prevails against the gates of hell or not. Right. Yes. Meaning as we're walking away from the gate that we just closed towards that darkness, is that force still there calling out to us? You bet it is. But, but the problem occurs that, in order for us to justify the choice we just made, we must reject any restraint from this point forward. Because to accept any restraint from this point forward is to admit what?
5: Order. Order. A creator. Yes.
1: That we were wrong to go through the gate. Yeah. And so we we can't now. This is why, um, I can't even remember her name now. There was There was a reaction to the pro-life issue, a certain conservative commentator had and i wondered aloud at the time this this sounds to me like a woman who's had an abortion in her past that she feels guilty and ashamed of and 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 since since she rejects the remedy to that guilt and shame we just have to keep doubling down now the guy who ended up writing the majority opinion in roe v wade admitted years later the judge who did the reason he did it is because he had a daughter who was pregnant at the time and he didn't want to have to have her go through through a pregnancy she didn't want So once I walk through the gate, I now need to justify the choice that I made. What is the root of all sin? Pride. The tempter. What's his signature line? Ye be like God. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. Pride. Our pride gets in the way. And so... A new crazy must be validated. And then the next one after that. Every now and then, you'll find an Ayn Rand, uh, a, a hedonist atheist, who will also at the same time, they'll recognize there must be some order. There must be. Otherwise, the world doesn't make sense. Every now and then, you'll run into a David Rubin, who will live out a sexuality that the God who made him says is wrong and do it in public but then also begin to un- begin to do the mental math and the moral math of you know if if i take this to its most logical conclusion some really bad stuff's going to happen so at some point we have to say no right you know why we know all those names they're rare most of us most of us cannot dance with the devil in the pale moonlight we will we will descend into the mouth of madness the minute that we start walking toward it and one of the this is one of the reasons it's not just ego that's part of it too but one of the reasons christianity has struggled with legalism and hyper moralism throughout its history it's not just that the, the leaders had egos too. Some of them did. It's not just that they bought more into their traditions of their denominations or histories. And they, you know, and that was, that's all true. But it's not always the only truth. It's because of the fear of what I just described. Boom. Okay. The reaction. Yes. It's the understanding that, you know, we can't do everything in moderation. We can't just, we can't just even dance intimately. So we've, we've got to go all the way to twerking and and dry humps. We can't, we can't as a species. Some of us individually can in certain cases, but collectively as a species, when have we ever shown the ability to do moderation? I can answer that for you. The answer is never. Okay? And so since we know that sooner or later this waltz
5: Ask the crowd outside Lot's house about
1: that. Yes. Sooner or later, this Charleston. Sooner or later, this moonwalk. Just pick a popular dance of an era. Sooner or later, if we let it go on, it will devolve into twerking.
4: Dace's, they, that, by the way, yeah, want to interject that. I'm proclaiming that that's Dace's law. Any dance will eventually devolve into twerking. <laughs> Don't do
1: that, <laughs> What I mean is the, the the human nature will eventually devolve into it sooner. This is where the instinct from the church has come to go here, all right? It's because'm I, I am not I, I'm not predisposed to err on that side, but I can't ignore history either. We, we don't we don't do uh, frivolence well frivolous well we we don't do pleasure well we don't do fun well we have a tendency to overdo them all and that was kind of what you were alluding to with the video games yes a little while back right yeah all right let's let's lighten the the topic here a little bit but still still just as intriguing i think todd says my son is in the fourth grade at what age should sports be about winning at the risk of becoming an idol Coaches, it seems, all hide behind the earned playing time, learning life lessons. You learn life lessons on the bench as circular reasoning for the kids that aren't naturally gifted getting to play. This goes back to last year, my son having problems in PE and kids excluding him in the pre-practice shooting hoops. My son's heart wasn't in it this year either. All the games, when, all the games except when he played less than 7 minutes and 21 seconds. I kept track. I saw him make some small plays. The one game he got to play 14 minutes, he intercepted the opponent's pass and threw it to a teammate. At the moment he got the ball, I saw the biggest smile. I truly believe for his life experiences and hardships, his little sister is autistic, uh, that he's a kid that needs more playing time to learn to overcome and become more confident. I had a problem with the baseball coach last year letting my son stand around and no one would warm up with him. To me, the coaches aren't weren't building a team. I was more than happy to spend the season warming my son up and letting everyone else be a click. I recently tried talking to both the coaches. The basketball coach conceded that my son practiced on defense 80 to 9% of the time and was at a disadvantage during the games. Since I suggested setting a standard for basketball court time of 10 to 15 minutes for basketball and for everybody, and then any more time above that be given to the players who had earned more playing time, I was then asked, hey, are you some kind of a lib? Where did I go to school and had put put up with other verbal jabs that were used to interrupt me. Why are youth sports such a golden calf, a shiny precious? My son is has a lot of potential and I may encourage him to play a rec to play rec league ball from now on so he'll get the playing time that he needs. A kid that always plays and uh, that always plays never learns what the kid sitting on the bench learns and vice versa. So you have a lot more experience with this? You know, I've done coaching. My sons played youth sports. My daughters were never really into it. Okay, but you have more experience with this. What, what's your thought on Todd's email?
5: Well, it, and what,
1: this is a different Todd. case yeah, People it's are wondering. Sorry, yeah. Todd. Todd. What yeah. really
5: stuck out to me is when you said the coaches weren't addressing obvious things. Like it, you're you're just a bad coach if you are allowing kids to to be out on the fringes of things at, at, at a youth level. Uh, your job is to create a team now a team does not mean you're all exactly the same your talents are all exactly the same you're all going to get equal time at shortstop that that's not what it means uh, but you're going to get equal time from me the coach just as a father is going to give equal time uh to his uh sons and daughters even if they have different talents i'm actually going through with this uh in my own family, right now, uh, my third daughter, who's eleven, uh, they've all gone from our small town rec league in soccer, and at the age of uh, ten, roughly, you, they they've gone on to play um, competitive club soccer, and uh, we're in the my 11, so she wanted to be just like her big sisters, and she went there this year, and she's not enjoying it. She's not uh, she's she's more uh, emotional. She takes things. Uh, uh, a little uh, harder her highs are higher her lows are lower she and that's just like within normal boundaries of emotion she doesn't she's not medicated or anything like that but we talked about it just last week and, and about the possibility of just going back and doing rec and she looked at me like that was the greatest op- just having the option now like she wasn't she didn't think it was there for her well it, there's never a reason to bring it up again but she just to know that she's not a failure not a failure because you're not great at sports it has nothing to do with that you there's Oh, and you should take your son back to rec, it sounds like. Hef, it's supposed to be fun. It can be fun at different levels. Um, I, it, it just th- th- don't, sports, as is, is Steve talks about a lot, it is just a great gift to allow the humid spirit to soar so to go to where you started when is winning and losing coming important and a lot of times we talk about in terms of when you start keeping score that's not really what it's about it's about our our a priori principles why are we getting involved to this excellence in all things is important and therefore to evaluate excellence having a standard on the scoreboard is ultimately uh vital um but there's all kinds of teams that are winning a lot of games in youth sports and in pro sports, they're full of losers, all right? So you and your kid find the place where you two together uh, find the most joy. And that can be in any, it, you will find out that if you accept that, you will not feel so limited. I, I, we, we get to feel limited. Like this is this is where all the Joneses are going. We got to be a part of that. You don't. I had no sense of whether my kids were going to play soccer or gymnastics or play piano. We tried a bunch of things. Uh, This is where we ended up. It could have been otherwise. And it's your job as a father to be happy that too, because your job as a father to find who they are, what their gifts are. And a really important thing with my family, the things that you're good at aren't always the things that you love. All right. So we got to find that balance, not just in sports and regular life about finding out who we are are and that's not going to happen if you have to decide that um competitive baseball is the end all and be all and must all it's not it's not even close
1: great answer and um i i kind of feel like this is a continuation of the conversation we we're just having in another is. context we keep finding yeah so so now we're going to go from These poor little snowflakes couldn't possibly be told they didn't score enough points and they need to do better next time if they want to win. So let's not keep any score because if we tell them they lost the game, they might become school shooters. So we're going to go from that now to uh, they're ten years old and unless they are unless they are future, they're clearly showing the gifts of of, a future uh, athletic uh, endowment. Then we don't let him play. Teach him how to play, and we and and it can't possibly be any fun whatsoever. I, and 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 I just I, that's the human condition, man. I, I don't. I mean. They're both wrong and they're yep, both right yep, at the exact yep. same time. And
5: that's, that's okay. the chaos we talked about because it's it doesn't have to be all hard ass or just go and pull dandelions and however you feel out there. I, the, I'm the guy I just told you about make sure it's fun, but I'm also the guy that when I'm coaching my little kids when they were eight and nine, all of you, uh, we're here to do something. You, your, your number one jobs are to listen and to have fun if these kids aren't listening to me aren't paying attention whether they're good or whether they're bad no I, I, I'll send them I'll tell their parents I'll say you go over there when you're serious about coming back and owning the choice that you decided to be a part of yep. because this is about choosing to love something and be excellent at it so don't waste people's time while you're doing that um, but we don't we're not ability to love justice and mercy at the same time because right. we don't believe in God that's right yes you know, I coached
1: Noah's, uh, youth football team three years. And in the three years that I coached the, the players I remember the most are the ones that I know I played a role in them getting better and improving. Yeah, and he would uh, be one of them. It's satisfying. Okay. And you know, the, and, and I tried to make them all improve and I couldn't, but the ones that did, I remember the most. And you know, here's how we, here's how I handled it. Everybody got to play. When we got down to the end of the game, the guys that were better, cause I knew they'd all want to win. So the guys that were better played the most, but if I didn't do that, see, if most of the guys are fine winning, even if they don't play a lot because they like being on the winning team. What they don't want to do is sit the bench the whole time and then be told to take pride in winning. Give them a chance to feel like they contributed to it, and then at the end of the game, put the ball in the hands of the players that give you the best chance to win, but you don't get to that end of the game unless everybody's had a chance to contribute to generating that ultimate okay. outcome. Why is that hard? Because us. That's why. Right now, there's 50 million kids attending government schools, and uh, the lefts aren't—they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Uh, their intention is to indoctrinate your kids and dumb them down as well It's not just to teach and be a good little status, but th- not to fend for themselves or think for themselves. I mean, skills like reading, writing, arithmetic, American history—gone, lost arts. Um, replaced with social justice, gender confusion, test-driven instruction in the classroom instead. Thankfully, you've got a choice and an alternative. It's called Freedom Project Academy. It's an accredited classical online school that is built on Judeo-Christian values for students from kindergarten all the way through high school. All right. So Freedom Project Academy, it's the same interaction of the traditional classroom, but it's online where students across the country, you are instructed by live teachers, uh, and these are teachers who teach your students how to think, not what to think. If you want to get a free information packet on this today, if you're thinking about what your education options are for the next school year, now's the time to go to freedomforschool.com, all one word freedomforschool.com learn more about Freedom Project Academy my son Noah's been in this the last few years in fact freedomforschool.com um, I think that's it we're basically out of time right? yep thank you all for tuning in here this week have a great uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday Easter weekend remember the reason for the season we'll be back at it again on Monday until then John John 317 <laughs>